0: welcome and good morning um my name is tyler i'm one of the pastors here at the well um this is my wife um kim she is the lead children's ministry here at the well and we just want to welcome you this morning we're sitting in our backyards enjoying quarantine and just enjoying what god has done and what god has created
1: and good morning um I want to say hello and good morning to Kingdom Kids and their families. We miss your kiddos so much. And I know it's a little different right now um, for all of us, but we in times such as these need to trust in Jesus. And a few months ago in Kingdom Kids, we learned in Ephesians six ten through 18, about putting on the armor of God. And I think at this time, especially all of us and the Kingdom Kids can use what we learned To help others trust that god protects us all when we have trust in our faith in
0: him i just want to share something from my heart i don't know about you but last sunday was tough for me because you know it says in hebrews um 10 25 not to forsake the gathering and i never really took that to heart but but not being able to do it it was tough and as i said i leaked a little bit we call that crying but it was it was tough but i know god's going to get us through this he's in control And he's going to do something with this that is going to be for his good. And we need to just rest on his foundation. So join us. We're super excited to have you all here this morning. And let's worship together.
2: Greetings, church family. Randy Brooks here handling the Cyber Church's offering again this week. want to remind everybody that we have uh, online giving available on both the church app and the church website. Uh, My email, should you need contact information, uh, having difficulty setting any of that up, randy at ovcfchurch.org, and I can be reached uh, through that. And uh, I just want to say that you guys just stepped it up so much last week. The online giving was beyond anybody's wildest imagination. Uh, The Lord has has uh, truly blessed the body with giving this last week. And and I know that what he puts on the hearts of all is going to uh, resonate in giving this week as well. I want to take a quick word to uh, say a quick word of prayer for this week's offering before we go any farther. Father, we do humbly come to you and we do, uh, we want to thank you, Lord, for the peace that you bring to our lives when we seek it from you, Lord. We just Praise you and thank you for the blessings of, of those that are not out of work. We praise you and thank you for the blessings of uh, those that are able to help and lift up those that are struggling that may be out of work, Lord. We just, again, want to reach out and and love them, touch them with your love, Lord. And we know that this offering that you're going to gather in this week is something that, that you will do to continue your mission work and that you'll use to continue bringing others into a relationship with you for eternity, Lord. In your name we pray, amen. Again, you guys were awesome last week. You really stepped up. If the Lord's putting on your heart, uh, giving this week, we want to be sure and let everybody know we still accept mail at 1290 grand, Ohi 93023. Uh, Again, the website, the app, if you need any help, you've got my email address to check that out. Otherwise, uh, blessings to all. Can't wait till we can get back together and uh, love on each other and and, uh, enjoy church together in person as God intended it to be. Blessings to everyone.
0: Hello. We'd like to share a couple of announcements with you. Um, I'm going to be talking about the huddle, which is our youth group, which is um, junior high through high school. And my wife, Kim, we're going to be talking about the kingdom kids, which is our elementary school program.
1: Hi, parents of Kingdom Kids and Kingdom Kids. Um, I'd like to have the parents to please check out the Wells website and the app under Kingdom Kids to find out more about our children's ministry weekly lessons and videos and links to fun creative home activities. Um, I also sent out an email. It should be through uh, KidCheck. Um, But if you did not receive an email, um, please do check out our website at The Well and um, under the link Kingdom Kids, and you'll be able to access the weekly lessons that go through all the way through Easter. And if you ever have any questions, need help, assistance or anything, please reach out to me. Um, my email is on the website and we are always here for you and we'll be praying for each and every one of you. Please give your kids a hug from all of us at Kingdom Kids. We love you. We miss you so much and we're always here for you.
0: And the huddle, if you don't know, the huddle is our youth group and we miss all of you out there, huddle students. Also, I want to tell the huddle parents, we have sent out a um, invitation to Right Now Media, which is a christian website that has thousands of resources and videos and studies and we're going to be starting shortly a study on the right now media and we're going to set out an invitation to that and also church family if you haven't visited the right now media website please do go to our website click on it and it's a free membership to you so you could stay in the word with us and god bless
3: good morning Uh, I wanted to provide everyone just a real quick update on the online fellowship groups that we have been working on implementing uh, during these times of self-isolation. Um, We have a lot of activities going on relative to men, women, and young adults. Um, Specific to women, there are a number of women's online Bible studies that have already uh, started uh, using online platforms to meet together and study together and fellowship together. If you're interested in participating in one of these online women's groups, you can contact Kathy, K-A-T-H-Y, at ovcfchurch.org. I'm in the process of setting up a number of men's online Bible studies or life groups and if you're interested in participating in one of those, you can contact me at mark, M-A-R-K, at ovcfchurch.org. We have some uh, online groups that are being set up for young adults as well. Uh, jordan and Shiloh are doing that. And again, if you're interested in participating in one and you're a young adult, you can contact Jordan at jordan at obcfchurch.org or Shiloh at shiloh at obcfchurch.org. We really do encourage you during this time of uh, just isolation, really, for most of us to uh, really pray about and think about participating in this opportunity to just see one another, love one another, pray with one another, study the word, and just be engaged in one another's lives. So um, give that some thought, and we'd love to have you participate. Thanks, and have a great week.
4: Well, good morning, church, wherever you may be. It's, uh, It's Sunday, and this is church. Or at least this is what church looks like for now. Amen. It's very interesting that uh, the church uh, feels a little scattered. Reminds me of the early church in the Book of Acts, where God scattered the church through persecution for his for his purpose, uh, which was to which was to uh, to get them out of their comfort zone. Uh, that may sound a little familiar to some of us, but he got them out of their comfort zone, spread them out geographically for the express purpose of sharing the gospel so they didn't just huddle together. And now we might not be able to go very far at this particular point, being sequestered kind of to our homes, in essence, Uh, and at the same time, uh, the church was scattered in the first century, and and we're a little scattered uh, right now, aren't we? Very interesting, uh, kind of unusual, and and uh, admittedly, uh, for me, um, I don't know about you, but it's kind of weird. I, re- I really like uh, church. I mean, Sundays are the highlight of my week, quite frankly. Uh, I love everything about the church and being at church and being around uh, the, the, the the body of believers at, at church. It's it's very, uh, it's, it's enjoyable, um, and I miss it. It's only been a couple of weeks, uh, and I miss it. Uh, in talking with the the elders this week I, I was sharing I said uh, and and you know uh we're we're doing uh, church remotely um and so we're learning how to try to do that uh um, which is which is uh, different um and uh and, and kind of fun but but different for sure uh but what about communion? What about communion? So I thought well maybe we should maybe we should just take communion scattered as we might be. Why wouldn't we take communion, the Lord's Supper? Because Jesus himself gave us these two ordinances, didn't he? He said, listen, believe and be baptized. That's the one ordinance of the church for sure. And the other one was to share in the communion meal together. And we can still do that. We can do that today. There's absolutely no reason. If you are at home by yourself, if you are with your family, if you are with a small gathering, uh, under 10, if you are with a small gathering, there is absolutely no reason that at any time, wherever you are and whoever you are with, that you can't partake in the communion meal. So I want to encourage you this morning uh, to consider that, even today. Because the passage that we're always, uh, uh, or most of us are very familiar with, out of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in the 23rd verse, uh, makes it very clear um, what we're supposed to do and uh, how we're supposed to do it, but not where we're supposed to do it or when we're supposed to do it. The where and when is a heart issue, and that's up to each one of us. But listen to it in the context of being separated, perhaps, maybe for the first time you're going to consider taking communion uh, outside of the, the four walls of a church building today, or maybe tomorrow. But listen to the words uh, in, in 1 Corinthians um, in the context or the lens of being uh, separated from one another for the first time, certainly the first time that I've Experienced doing church virtually instead of actually together. Listen to these words. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed to bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You see, it's very clear. The Lord wanted us to partake in this Eucharist, the Lord's Supper, communion, And in so doing, remembering him. And church, that is so critical for right now, because when we're scattered like this, it is very easy, it is very easy to get out of your routine. And my guess is most of us are out of our regular routine of late. So my encouragement for you this morning regarding communion is make this a part of your routine participate in the communion meal on a Sunday while we're not gathered together during the week if you're having a virtual Bible study share communion together although you're separated by geography you could be together with technology share in the communion meal remembering Jesus each time how often you do it and wherever you are when you do it, remembering Jesus. So I'm at home right now, of course, and uh, I have bread and the cup, and so uh, I'm gonna pray and then we'll take communion. And if you're not prepared to take communion right now, that's okay, you can do it later on, later uh, after you have uh, been to church virtually. Um, Just make a decision on when that's going to happen and do it on your own with your family, Uh, wherever you may be and whoever you may be with and whenever you would like to, I encourage you to take communion. So I'm going to do that now. And however this might work for you, perhaps just do this. Take the bread and the cup And even if you're by yourself. And if you are, I would encourage you to pray out loud. If you're with your family, pray out loud. Maybe everybody can participate in prayer before you take the communion meal. I encourage you to do that. So let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you have done. Thank you, God, that even though we are separated, perhaps by geography right now as a church, you are good all the time, and all the time you are good. And Lord, none of what is going on right now has caught you by surprise. And so Lord, we just want to remember, because we need to, we need to remember, Lord, that you are in control. And so, Lord, whatever the future days hold for us, we want to surrender ourselves to you. We want to die to, our, uh, die to ourselves, Lord, and, 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 and give ourselves to you. We want to remember your body given for us, your blood shed for us, Lord, Uh, we need to remember. So thank you for the command to do this in remembrance of you because that's exactly what we need and what we want to do. So we take this communion, Lord, in remembrance of you, Jesus. Amen.
5: Good morning, and thank you for joining us. Before we open God's Word, we're going to have a time of worship. So I encourage you now to choose uh, to turn your full attention uh, to the Lord. What is worship? Worship is responding to who God is. So I don't know how your week has been, uh, but I know the value of simply choosing to be still, choosing to turn our full attention to God, to worship Him in spirit and in truth, to worship Him freely, even from your home. So I invite you now, let's worship together, let's honor God, let's express our love to Him, let's be reminded of how much He loves us all through worship. Good
6: morning church, I'm Vinny. And I'm Shiloh. And before we worship this morning, we're going to read some scripture. I'm going to read out of Psalm 63 today.
5: Before we open God's word, let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for what you have been teaching us through the book of Ephesians. And now once again, we ask you to help us to understand your word, to bring the application. We know that we're to be doers of the word and not hearers only. So help us to do that. Help us to honor you as we walk in faith and obedience to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. We have been looking at the book of Ephesians, particularly verses 1 and 2, the last few weeks, and we're going to stay there uh, this morning. And so Ephesians 1, reading verses 1 and 2, says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you. And peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So a quick review, what have we learned? We've learned that the book of Ephesians is actually a letter. A letter written to the saints, the believers in Ephesus and the surrounding area. It's a letter written by the Apostle Paul. And the purpose of the letter uh, is really to instruct saints in how to live saintly right so the apostle paul is writing to a specific audience with a specific purpose hey saints this is how you live saintly lives and last week we looked and focused on the importance the significance of the apostle paul being the writer and we saw that uh, through paul's trials and tribulations that he had learned contentment we saw that in philippians 4 right that he had learned to be content in all things, and this morning we're going to look once again at Paul's testimony at Paul's life experiences. Uh, really is an encouragement to us as we strive to live saintly lives, as we strive to live godly lives uh, with all the trials and all the suffering and all the challenges that we face. Uh, my prayer for us is that we find great encouragement through the apostle Paul this morning. And so we're going to look in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 8 through 12. And this is what the apostle Paul says. He says, "We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die." But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God, who raises the dead. And He did rescue us from mortal danger, and He will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in Him, and He will continue to rescue us. And you are helping us by praying for us. Then many people will give thanks because God has graciously answered so many prayers for our safety. We can say with confidence and a clear conscience that we have lived with a God-given holiness and sincerity in all our dealings. We have depended on God's grace, not on our own human wisdom. That is how we have conducted ourselves before the world and especially toward you. So once again, Paul is very honest about the trials, about the suffering that he has endured as he has been living a godly life, as he has been doing his best to fulfill God's mission for him, right? And yet he says very honestly in verse 12, we can say with confidence and a clear conscience that we have lived with a God-given holiness and sincerity in all our dealings, right? He's been living a saintly life. He says, we have depended on God's grace. We have depended on God's grace. And why is that? important for us this morning as we look through the book of Ephesians? Well, it says in Ephesians 1-2, uh, it says this, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So the Apostle Paul in writing to the saints in Ephesus, he has a desire for them. And what is his desire? That they would experience grace and peace. Grace and peace. Ray Stedman writes this The two great heritages of the Christian are grace and peace. These are two things you can always have, no matter what your circumstances. Grace is all God's power, all his love, all his beauty available to you. It is a marvelous term which wraps up all that God is and offers to us. Peace is freedom from anxiety. Fear and worry. These are the two characteristics which ought to mark Christians all the time grace, God at work in their life, and peace, a sense of security, of trust. Right? One definition of grace is grace in simple terms is God's unmerited favor and supernatural enablement and empowerment for salvation and for daily sanctification. Many of us are familiar with grace in the salvation context where Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, "...for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast." So we understand that the gift of salvation is God's grace, it's God's unmerited favor that we simply receive, right? We can't earn it, we can't work for it. It's God's grace, it's unmerited favor." And yet grace also comes into play in our sanctification, in our daily life. Romans five seventeen, For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. So this verse tells us that we can have victory, we can reign in life as we daily appropriate God's abundant provision of grace, God's supernatural enabling called grace, right? K. Arthur says, Grace is more than unmerited favor. It is reality. By grace you live, by grace you please God, and by grace you are freed from religion, And released into a relationship with your Heavenly Father. Grace is always based on who He is and what He has done. Grace is never based on who you are apart from Him or on what you can do. Warren Wearsby says this, To live by God's grace means to depend on Him to enable us. We aren't striving in our own power to do something for Him. Rather, He's working in and through us to accomplish the good pleasure of His will. It's the difference between legalism and life, right? And so uh, the wonderful truth is that as we, can, as we know grace, K-N-O-W, as we know God's grace, we can know His peace as well, right? Romans 5, one. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So through salvation, right, we have peace with God. And then we can experience the peace Of God, right? Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Right? So we can know God's grace and we can know God's peace. Right? And this is something that Paul had to learn. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 12, he tells a story of uh, an experience he had where God allowed this thorn to come into his life. And through this trial, through this very challenging, challenging trial, Paul learned to depend on God's grace. And we're going to look at that. 2 Corinthians 12, right? The passage is verses 1 through 10. And in the first part of those verses, the Apostle Paul says, hey... You know, I was given this incredible supernatural vision from God, and yet God, in His love for me, uh, wanted to, to protect me from pride, and so God allowed this trial, God allowed this thorn to come into the Apostle Paul's life, really out of love, out of grace, to protect Paul from what? Pride. From Pride. And this is what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7-10. through So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. We're going to look at this passage together this morning and and to help frame it, to give you four principles that you can take to help you apply, receive, appropriate God's grace, to know God's grace, to know His peace, even today, even today, right? There's four words I'd I'd like to kind of frame this around. It's purpose, provision, promise, perspective, right? Purpose, provision, promise, perspective, right? And so in in verse 7, it says, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. God had a purpose for allowing this thorn to come into the apostle Paul's life. Now the word thorn isn't like a little rose thorn, it meant a stake. It meant something that would impale someone, designed to torture someone. So this was a big deal. And yet we never know for sure what the big deal, what the thorn was specifically. There's been a lot of conjecture about it, but really the important thing is not what it was, but why, why it was allowed to come into the Apostle Paul's life. And that really points us to purpose. God had a purpose for allowing this thorn. And what was God's purpose to keep Paul from becoming prideful, from becoming conceited? And this is where you and I need to learn to trust in God's ultimate purpose, right? We often say God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. Well, that means his purposes are always good for his children. In fact, in Romans eight twenty, it says he works all things for the good. Right, so God has a purpose for your life, God has a purpose for my life, Everything that touches our life is a, is in accord with God's ultimate sovereignty, ultimate purpose, ultimate will right isaiah fifty five verse eight and nine. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. declares the Lord, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. We may not always understand in the moment what God's purpose is, but in those moments we know God's character. We know who He is. We know who we are in Christ as His children so we can rest. We can rest in the ultimate purposes of God. And then verses 8 and 9 says this, Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So when the thorn comes, initially, the apostle Paul prays three times, Lord, take it away. Lord, take it away. Lord, take it away. Right. And there's not necessarily anything wrong with that. Right. In fact, the Bible says we're to bring our requests to God. Right. But as we bring our requests to God, we ultimately, again, rest And the ultimate will of God. God does answer prayer according to his will and in his time. And in this particular instance, Paul was praying what I call the prayer of subtraction, right? Many of us have these prayers of subtraction. Lord, if you would only take this away, if you would remove this, if you would eliminate this, right? It's what I call the prayer of subtraction. And yet, in God's grace, in his purpose for Paul, he says, no, Paul, I'm going to add my grace. I'm going to bring addition to your circumstance because it's through the addition of God's grace that Paul is transformed, that Paul grows in his sanctification, that Paul learns to depend and trust God more and more through the addition Of God's grace. And so perhaps there's something you're going through today. And maybe you've been uh, focusing more on a prayer of subtraction. Lord, if only you would take this away, if only you would take this away. My encouragement to you through the example of Paul, maybe today you say, Father, add your grace. I'm asking you to, to teach me that your grace is sufficient. For this thing that I'm going through Through this thorn in my life I'm trusting in the sufficiency Of your grace Right And so there's God's provision His grace and His promise What's the promise? His grace is sufficient Right Is sufficient for all things Any circumstance All times Right So there's God's provision His sufficient grace For all Times for all circumstances, right? So there's a purpose, there's God's provision, and there's his promise, his promise that it is sufficient. It's present tense, constantly available, right? For his children to appropriate, to use in every circumstance. So there's purpose, there's provision, there's promise. And what does this really add up to? It's a change in Paul's perspective. It's a change in Paul's perspective. Suddenly, he sees weakness differently. Suddenly, he sees uh, dependence on God differently. See, Corinth and Ephesus, they were very wealthy cities, entrepreneurs, success-driven people, self-reliant people, self-sufficient people, successful people, right? Right? And the challenge for many of us is that we're raised in a culture of self-sufficiency and self-reliance and pride and, and we're shamed and, and embarrassed to admit our weaknesses and to admit maybe we we're dependent on God. But Paul had this radical transformation in his perspective, right? David Guzik says this, We really don't believe God's grace is sufficient until we believe we are insufficient. For many of us, especially in American culture, this is a huge obstacle. We are the people who idolize the self-made man and want to rely on ourselves. But we can't receive God's strength until we know our weakness. We can't receive the sufficiency of God's grace until we know our own insufficiency. Are you at a place today where you will surrender and admit that you need God? That you need God's grace. And then Paul concludes in 2 Corinthians twelve, nine and 10. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Right. That is a sanctified perspective. That is a radical countercultural perspective. Suddenly, Paul says, you know what? The more I depend on God in my weaknesses, the more it glorifies him. The more it brings glory to him. I want to boast only in the Lord. I want to boast only in the Lord. Someone says, having a proper perspective on trouble, trials and suffering is the cornerstone of Christian living. James 1, verses 2 and 3. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Here's the wonderful truth you and I can choose the same perspective, the same perspective. And when we choose a godly, God dependent, God sufficient perspective, Our lives can change that quick. Suddenly we see things so much more clear, so much uh, more from God's perspective, God's view. And then in that, we know his grace. We know his peace. Right? So the four words, God's purpose, God's provision, God's promise, and ultimately a perspective that we can choose to see it all through the lens of scripture all through the lens of God's all-sufficient grace, right? I love the example of Jesus in the garden. Jesus says this in Matthew 26, 39. It says this, And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. So even Jesus in his humanity in this moment says, Father, if there's any way, maybe maybe you could subtract this. The cup in the Old Testament was symbolic of suffering. Jesus, knowing the suffering he was about to endure, says, Father, if there's any way, maybe this could be subtracted. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. I love that. Right? Jesus says, Father, this is, this is, this is a lot right now, but I'm going to trust your will. I'm going to trust your will, your plan for me, for the world. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Do you see the submission? Do you see the faith, the trust he has in his Father's will? Hebrews four fourteen to 16. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, Yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. John MacArthur says this, When we are least effective in our human strength and have only God's power to sustain us, then we are suitable channels through which his power flows. And so we should praise God for adversity because that's when His power is most evident in our lives. There is no one too weak to be powerful, but there are many too strong. I asked Vinny and Shiloh to uh, lead us in one more song before I close in prayer. And, And this is really kind of a prayer song. And maybe this morning you need to just Surrender. You need to come to the place of confessing pride, confessing self-sufficiency, confessing self-reliance, and maybe through this song, come to the throne of grace to receive God's all-sufficient grace. Whatever you're going through, whatever circumstance, bring it to the throne of grace. You can sing this song, you can read the words on the screen, you can pray. Let God speak to your heart in these next few moments and then I'll come back and close us in prayer. Father, thank you for our time together this morning. Thank you that we can trust and rest in your purposes, your provision, your promises. And thank you that because of those, our perspective can be biblical. Our perspective can really be one that, that focuses on you, that rests in you. So Father, uh, we admit our need. We admit our weaknesses. Father, thank you that your grace is sufficient. So we're going to trust that today. We're going to trust that this week. It is our desire to glorify and honor you in our lives. So, Father, as Jesus prayed, we pray too. Nevertheless, not our will, but your will be done for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless you. Thank you for being with us this morning. Have a blessed week. We look forward to being with you again next Sunday.